Hi, I'm Callum Cameron, and you are listening to Gut Talks, double G, U, double T. So what else are you working on, by the way? What's exciting um, we didn't talk about? Okay, so there's obviously there's innovation labs we're doing with the football clubs and previously with banks and telcos and so forth. There's the stuff with Accelerator Estonia. There's actually two. So we've got two big projects we're working on with Accelerator Estonia at the moment, which are super cool. One of them is building up an advanced U-space, so UAV, drones, living labs solution or service here in Estonia. So new drone or U-space services, so it could be anything from the, the traffic management through to the location management to the actual drones themselves and the businesses who are using them for infrastructure monitoring or for deliveries, these sort of things, that they will actually be able to prove their services in an urban, suburban environment. Taking, again, this Estonian mindset of, well, if we've already got the data because we've been monitoring you digitally, you don't need to now go and actually fill out lots more paperwork and so forth. So how can we make, how can we bring this sort of frictionless approach to bringing UAVs into society? And this has driven... The lead partner on this project is a group called Zeroest, who are focused on zero emission aviation from Estonia. And it pulls together. The reason I love it is obviously I love the ambition here. I love the idea. But the way it also pulls together all the different ecosystem players. So they need the reason they're with Accelerate Estonia is because there's a lot of laws and regulations and challenges to be allowed to fly drones in a useful way. And there's going to be a heavy dependency on them by from municipal services, police and so forth as well. It also brings in the aviation cluster, the airports, the, the aviation academy, and then private drone operators and manufacturers and so forth, all coming in together to build out this living lab service that will then ultimately not only accelerate new Estonian companies onto global markets because they can prove their stuff here in Estonia yeah. faster and easier than they can anywhere else, but also we're already attracting international players, some of the biggest international players in the UAV economy are already wanting to participate in the, the country-scale pilot that we're going to run up with these guys, which proves that the FDI is going to come into the country off the back of this world. So we're, again, solving, I believe, a big problem if we can actually find a way to safely bring in drone solutions that will actually make economies, societies more efficient, less carbon intensive, and turning that into hopefully a big economic boost for Estonia going forwards as well. So we're going to do a big pilot with them, I think it's actually targeting November, and we're going to reenact a, a critical incident. So there was a train that derailed outside Tartu, which is, I guess you could call it Estonia's second city. Yeah, second uh, city. So the train derailed outside there last year. Fortunately, nobody was killed. Eight people were injured, though, and obviously they had to raise proper incident response and uh, to get out there and to help. We're going to reenact that. But this time, bring in drones, including sort of longer range hydrogen drones, and integrate those in the command and control for the incident response. And firstly, to see if that improves it, or where it improves it, how it improves it. But also that brings out so many different challenges of how do you integrate these guys into that system? Right now, it's illegal to do that. So what do we have to change to make that possible? What are the digital solutions that need to be in place to track these guys to give them directions and so forth. Lots of really, really cool stuff. So really, really excited by that one. And then and I, I'm I was, yeah, I was going to ask you actually, because we spoke a lot about the government, you know, even sports and stuff. I wanted to ask you about, you know, healthcare and safety. And, and you kind of touch on this because this, once it becomes legal, you know, it doesn't always have to become legal to happen because in Greece, 
I mean, if this was proven a month earlier or two months earlier, maybe this could have helped in Greece because there was a big train crash in Greece, if you remember, a few oh, weeks ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sometimes it doesn't have to be illegal. If there's a need, this might just propel it to the market and help, most importantly. Let's not hope a catastrophe happens somewhere, but if it happens like in Europe and so on, and if it's a proven concept, it could be faster in terms of intervention. You're right, needs must, yeah. As you were pointing out before, how COVID was uh, wonderful for accelerating the digital transformation of a lot of companies and governments yeah. as well. It's an unfortunate that that's what it took. But actually, what you want, though, ideal scenario, is you still want to have a managed process for it, right? Oh, yeah. And because there are a lot of things that could go wrong with having... The estimate is that Europe's skies, particularly Europe's urban skies, are going to be 10 times busier by 2030 with unmanned aircraft and unmanned services flying around. So we want to know that we've got a very safe, tested process for actually validating these before they can go out there. Not just because the services themselves can go wrong, but also back to your point earlier on, I mean, what data are they picking up? What are they monitoring? Yeah. Uh, what are they collecting along the way, right? That's the fear, I think, that you need to overcome in population. Yeah, yeah. I, actually, before they brought the, the rules in place here in the old town in Tallinn, we're lucky in that we're on the, the top floor of one of the buildings here which meant that it wasn't unusual, actually, to have little drones flying past our windows with cameras as they're sort of just, um, and just, they weren't surveilling us or anything, but it just wasn't comfortable having these, anybody sort of being able to put their camera through our windows uh, deliberately or otherwise in there. But the having that managed process, I think, is even more pertinent to the other big project we're working on, which is with Novel Foods. So basically creating growing foods in labs out there. This addresses lots of big, or can potentially address lots of really, really big challenges in food security when supply chains break down. But I would say even more urgently, the impact food production at scale is having on our world and the climate, the environment, and its ability to support us. And that's going to get worse, right? As the more food's going to be needed and more as the middle class grows, more proteins are going to be wanted, especially meat-based proteins. But there's a long way to go before these companies or these solutions are ready to go to market at scale at an economical level, but mainly from a social acceptance level. Yeah. So we need to have a very clear tested process for doing this. In Europe, so Singapore, as you probably know, already have one product on the market, some chicken nuggets, and the US just approved one. I think it was the back end of last year, November, December. In Europe, there's a slower process of going through. It's called the novel food certification process. And in theory, it should only take eight months from submission to answer. But in fact, the people who run it are allowed to pause that eight months at any point in time and say they're waiting on, they're not ready, whatever, in there. But also before to you... get approval. Yeah. No, to actually decide. To and decide. they could decide against as well, right? But there's a long period before that when you actually notify them that you're going to be making a submission. And then you have to go and do some safety test analyses. I think there are five different types of analyses that you have to do at production scale before you can then go and submit your final dossier for consideration. But each company, each type of food, each type of process is going to need to follow a different journey to get there. It's not really clear to the point where not a single company or solution from the Nordics or the Baltics has ever gone through that process. It's that opaque and expensive. The, the estimation was it'll generally take two years and two million euros to go through that cycle. Who's funding all this? This is it. The is it, um, If you're a big company, one of these sort of big multinationals, then you can afford to do it yourself. Otherwise, you need to get venture capitalists, uh, VC money. 
to come in behind you or government grants and these sort of things. Mm-hmm. What we it's want an accelerated Estonia project. So the accelerated Estonia project is to see if in Estonia, we can again take this Estonian process of, okay, can we digitalize this pre-submission process? Can we actually provide you with the, essentially what Estonians like to call a krat, which a krat is a, a mythical creature here in Estonia where the people in the community, in the farms and so forth, were able to, with whatever materials they had lying around, create a new creature with a few drops of blood. They just had to sell their soul to the devil in the process, and then the crap would come to life, and it would do anything they wanted. With the drawback being that you had to keep it busy, because if you don't keep it busy, then it goes berserk and might end up killing you. So nice horror stories, horror movies have come off that. So Estonians talk about AIs as crats that can do things for them. And the idea is whether we can actually create a essentially a novel food certification press that as a young company, or even if you're coming out of the labs, you're building up something new or coming up with some new food creation process, cellular agriculture, any sort of supporting ingredients in the lab. Can you early days already go to this crat and actually say, okay, well, this is what my plans are. What do I need to do? And I think it'll need to be supported by also a, a sort of a consulting service around that as well to help these people on their way. And to take them through the journey to the point they finally submit their dossier to the, I think it's called the European Food Safety Authority or agency, something like this, EFSA, who then we're hoping also to build the relationships inside there so we can actually provide transparency as to the process and also make sure that when it gets to EFSA, it's got everything that they need to simplify their process. So if we can make that process simpler, more transparent, and also proactive as much as possible so that if we can already collect the data for the people along the way, then we should be able to actually accelerate novel food, new foods coming to market in Estonia, from Estonia, and of course, attract new companies here to do that as well. And then if we can do that, then we can accelerate biotech's impact on the the food system, food supplies, and food availability for us. So we're working with two companies on that one. Again, actually two companies at the moment, two Estonian companies. One, Gelatex do something called, they create scaffolding for these cellular meat companies or biomeat companies. So the, the scaffolding holds the... As the cells grow in the um, in the lab, they need some sort of framework to grow around, some sort of structure. So they provide that structure, and they also provide the meat that grows there as well. So they don't actually create the meat themselves; they provide this sort of scaffolding for it. And the other one, Aotech, they create an oil replacement for coconut and palm oil, which are essential essential any sort of processed foods and also for future lab-grown foods to create the, the sort of the, the fatty flavors and structures inside them as well, and also reduce the dependency on chopping down forests to put up palm trees and so forth out there. And they create that from bio-waste, so wood chips, food waste, all that sort of stuff going in there. So we're going to use them as use cases to actually develop this new solution, and then we'll work with one or two international companies to actually then road test the solution in there. So yes, that, you asked what I, it may not come across, but I'm super excited about these. Yeah, no, you look excited. They're well, very so big and complex. They're big and complex indeed. And it's like all about trial and error and requires lots of funding. And then the next mission, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is yeah. another, like something complete, like a new chapter, put it that way. So are you working on the project or are you designing the programs to support here? What? Yeah, all of the above. Okay. <laughs> uh, so, fun. so if we're talking to Accelerate Estonia, yeah. My responsibility is going out and finding the, the ideas and the companies yeah, and then working with them in the public sector to transform this into a, a solution and an opportunity for Estonia and okay. then work with them to, to validate it, to run their pilot and then to scale internationally off the back there. Yeah. That's Accelerate Estonia. So I, I guess it's not that different 
to the the football labs and the innovation labs. It's very much the same thinking. Get the right people into the room, get the chemistry going between them, and then pull out the most exciting ideas and then do whatever we can to actually convince whoever we need to activate around it. Yeah, so you're very hands-on on the projects and also on the upside, I guess. Uh, That's right, yeah, which is a lot of fun. It actually creates a challenge for me, big challenge, because it means that I get spread, I allow myself to get spread very thinly over too many projects, which is really fun. I get to work with the most amazing people, but then it becomes very hard to actually add deep value just because uh, constantly context switching in there. So then what I'm going to do is actually I will finish up with Accelerate Estonia at the end of May. Okay. And then try to pull all of these different threads together, the networks, the activation programs, the digitalization support, and push that into an innovation hub built from here in Estonia. But again, going back to something you mentioned very early on, this time focus more around regenerating the environment, decarbonizing the climate. Because there are so many solutions out there that are already on the market. It's just the adoption part, as you mentioned, which is the struggle. So if we can already create those channels with the guys with the power and the money to scale them and the people with the actual solutions, then I think we can start actually rolling out a lot of the solutions, most of the solutions that we need, which are already there in society. No, the reason I was asking what are you doing exactly, because I know that I struggle sometimes to say what I say in one sentence, what I do in one sentence, because even though they can be perceived as different things, they are all connected, at least in my mind and the way I see things. And I guess the way you're talking, I was just trying to see what are you doing because it's on different fronts, but they're all connected because if you don't understand how the relationship works and the dynamics, you know, and you can't co-create and collaborate. And if you don't know about the project enough, but not everything and too much, this is what allows you to go like to be in and out, but not to go deep into one project. Otherwise you do one project, but you're missing out on the other things you like doing. And you do this is it, yeah. it starts with the gut. It ends with the gut. It's in your gut. Gut Talks. This is the end of this episode with Callum Cameron. Thanks for listening and watch out for the next one.